Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I I guess when we started, Nurse... Has anybody seen my nurse? If we started the show, I know the people love the yes, yes thing. I can't hear anything. Yes, nurse? yes. Oh, you ever do that again. <laughs> I have that trademarked. I was talking to Randy Carricker. I can't wait to go back and podcast yes, their yes. 9 o'clock hour. I can't wait. Yeah. Rocky Sickman, Fold of Honors, Folds of Honor, and, and uh, telling the story of being held hostage in Iran. Oh, I'm going to be podcasting like the Dickens. Absolutely. Carricker and Smallman, that's what I'm going to be doing. That's outstanding. I can't. I got it now. There it is. Thank you. Hello, friends. Welcome to Augusta National. <laughs> My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. Standing across from me is Action Jackson wearing a 101 ESPN shirt. Look, Look at, at you. me. Representing. Yeah? Yeah, representing. It's a nice shirt, too. Soft, cozy. Big no, fan. Th- shout out Mike Ryder. Mike Ryder getting a lot of shouts out here. I, I'm a fan because he is a forced Jackson censor. Speaking of Iran... Uh, to uh, allow people's voices to be heard, allow there to be dissent uh, with uh, with mic drops, which is something that Jackson for six months had censored. And Mike Ryder came in here, put put his finger in Jackson's chest, if you don't mind me just telling stories, and said, hey, piddles, <laughs> you're going to let people speak their mind on this here Lil Piddle show. And so now it's clear people can talk. Using the 101 ESPN app, leaving Absolutely. a Rhino Shield mic drop. Or you can text in 65780, Air Comfort Service text line. Uh, in addition to a 9 o'clock hour for the ages on Carriker and Smallman, uh, you can uh, hear what Jeremy Rutherford had to say regarding the Matthew Kachuk thing. What do you think people are more more invested in at this moment? Juan Soto, Matthew Kachuk. I would say right now, I think... Kachuk, but I think Soto, like, I think tomorrow it'll be Soto. I don't know why. I just think that... What an odd answer. I well, agree with the, I agree with Matthew Kachuk, and I would say substantially, I would tell you that. But my reasoning, I, I have no... Why, let me ask this first. Why do you say tomorrow it's going to change? Well, I feel like the Kachuk thing, like, has kind of popped up and is now, like, getting a lot, a lot of talk. But I just feel like this Soto thing is... I mean, this could define the franchise for the next 10 to 15 years. Here is... But yeah, but why? Why? What happens tomorrow? The, the, like Kachuk, the Blazers have their parade today for the winning the summer league. And... They should. Uh, but I, I just think that like it's it's flaring up, and it's like you're not going to get more interest in it than right this very second. And it will eventually wane a little bit as I, as baseball right, returns because right, okay. the Cardinals all play right, tomorrow. All right. Okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna totally mock it. Uh, here's here's what here's what I think. Uh, I think it's because people believe the Kachuk thing can and will happen. Mm. And I don't think people believe the Soto thing can and will happen. Mm. That's what I think it's about. Uh, I did a Gallup poll on the Twitter tweets this morning at like 6 a.m. And let me give the people the results of my Gallup 
poll. I am a descendant of George Gallup, and therefore I am able to call it a Gallup poll. Uh, just shy of 1,000 votes, and I posted this thing just a few hours ago. Do you expect the Blues to trade for Matthew Kachuk? Do you expect the difference? Do you expect the Blues to trade for Matthew Kachuk? 59.7% say yes. That is 997 votes. You can vote at T. McKernan on Twitter. Uh, don't expect much out of that Twitter account. Um, and then would you like to see the Blues trade for Matthew Kachuk if it means trading Tarasenko, Cairo, and another prospect? 77.4% out of 1,073 voters say yes. Contrast that, Jackson, with the Gallup poll I did two days ago on Juan Soto. Three questions. Do you believe the Cardinals will trade for Juan Soto between now and the trade deadline? 88.2% out of nearly 1,500 voters said no. Mm. So again, you have about 90% saying no on Soto as far as the organization's expectations. But then when it comes to Kachuk, 60% said yes. Only 40% said no. So I think that's a factor. Yeah. Then you also have this. These were these numbers were similar. Do you want the Cardinals to trade for Soto before this year's trade deadline? If the trade would mean sending a minimum of three top prospects to the Nationals, seventy point one percent said yes. With regards to trading uh, for Matthew Kachuk, if it means trading Tarasenko, Kairou, and another prospect, seventy-seven point four percent said yes. They want the Blues to do it. Yeah. Um, so it seems like. The- People both want both Soto and Kachuk. There's just a far more expectation for the Blues to do it than the Cardinals against Indeed. Soto. And so, therefore, we're talking about reality. Sure. So, I think that is, that's where I'm coming from. Hell, you might be right. I don't know. Although we both say it's Kachuk. Oh, you yeah, just think yeah. there's a 24-hour... Well, maybe if the Cardinals like really don't show out offensively tomorrow, you'll see even more, like, boy, do we need Soto stuff. Like I can see it now. If you don't score runs against the Cincinnati Reds, you might just... Turn the page to 2023. Right. Uh, And then the final question that I asked regarding the Cardinals, whether that be Juan Soto or a lesser players, player, pitcher, pitchers, but still impactful additions, do you expect the Cardinals to be aggressive at this year's trade deadline? And 58.2% said no. So here's what I would like to observe with people. To be clear, about six out of ten people said they do not expect a team that's a half game out of first place and, you know, just flipping spots on the daily with the Phillies, Padres, Giants, whomever, for the third wild card spot. They do not expect the team to be aggressive. Not even talk about Juan Soto, just aggressive. And yet, when it comes to Matthew Kachuk, one of the most valuable and will be one of the most expensive players on a roster, whether he is in Calgary, Dallas, Nashville, St. Louis, wherever it is that he winds up, uh, there is an expectation from six out of ten people, mm-hmm. that they will trade for him, mm. and here is my question, and I don't have an answer, but it is an this is this is my observation, and I want to make this clear. Uh, it's it's a different set of circumstances now than even ten years ago, but certainly twenty years ago, uh, where you would have you know a handful of people writing columns and a handful of sports talk radio shows. Now there's. A, there's obviously a, a bunch of podcasts locally, and some people do incredible jobs. Uh, and you have a bunch of people commenting, um, and people pay attention to. So it's not just like take your pick of one columnist and one radio show. So there is a, a multitude of opinions in the arena. But my observation is, and I may be wrong on this, that there isn't a lot of clamoring for Juan Soto locally but there is a lot of clamoring slash expectation for Matthew Kachuk. And 
I think it would be fair to say, and maybe people will correct me on this, that the Cardinals are more of the blue chip stock uh, that is more flush with cash than the Blues. Oftentimes we will hear people, man, I hope the Blues can at least get another home game to help Tom Stillman out in the playoffs. Uh, But yet there's an expectation that the Blues are going to, again, it's 60%, so it's not like a 90% expectation, but there is an expectation that the Blues will be the ones to go out and get this high-profile player. And I realize you're talking about, for Juan Soto, half a billion dollars. So we're not talking apples to apples. But still, hockey-wise, Matthew Kachuk is going to be one of the highest-paid guys. Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess I ask this. Why? You know, the the Blues still have a full season before they would even be, you know, talking about the playoffs. The Cardinals are really more closer to two-thirds of the way through because the All-Star break is later this year. And they are a half game back of first place. And they are in a playoff spot or a half game or a game back of a playoff spot. And they are in a garbage division in which the the remaining, they will play 70% of their games against teams with losing records the rest of the way. So when they have a winning record at the end of the year, don't, you know, participate in the uh, mind-numbing manipulation of, no, the Cardinals, they did win 87 games. I would hope so. You know, I think the Marlins might win 90 if they were in this division. Uh the, the the Cardinals, the, the expectations, the standard is lower. Yeah. Why? I, I, I talked about it again. There's sports washing with Live Golf in Saudi Arabia, and you have DeWitt washing with the Cardinals in St. Louis. Why isn't this franchise held to a similar standard of, a, of an NHL franchise? And as much as I love the Blues and what goes on, but I mean, baseball and the NHL, they're in different worlds. Relatively speaking, when you're talking about dollars and television and three million people coming through the gates, why is it well, the Cardinals won't get Soto? And then 60% of people expect them not to even be, do something aggressive at the trade deadline when they are in the mix to be a first-place team. And it's not like they're four games back. They're a half game back. And it's not like they're chasing the Yankees or Mets or Dodgers. They're chasing a half-ass Brewers team that's also a byproduct of the division. Yeah. That's like six games below 500 against winning teams. How did this? My my question is, how the hell did this happen? How did this happen? In a way, the Blues are a victim of their ambition. Uh-huh. That there is an expectation. There will be people locally, and I think a lot of you probably would fall into this category, and I would too, who will be disappointed if Matthew Kachuk is not a member of the Blues. Because you expect it to happen. But if you find out the Cardinals traded for Juan Soto, you fall out of your chair. Because there is an expectation that it will not happen. And by the way, I'm not saying it has to be Juan Soto. But my question was, what if it's something other than Juan Soto? Pitcher, pitchers, player, players. Will the Cardinals be aggressive? 60% said no, they will not be. How'd this happen? And how is it acceptable? I get it in 16, 17, and 18. I get it. They were kind of a mediocre team. Not a good time to buy, and they didn't really want to sell. This year, there is no excuse for not buying. None. None. You want to win a championship, here is your time. And here's the thing. They might be in the process of working out a deal for Juan Soto or somebody else that will get people fired up. I have no idea. But what I can comment on is the data that I have here, and that fans, and I think for the most part media, but I don't know on that, are not pushing for it. And I just, for the life of me, I don't get it. I have no idea how that happened. You know, yeah, I realize this is not Los Angeles or New York or Chicago. I get it. But as far as the number of people who come through the gates, St. Louis can put it down with the Dodgers. Yeah, absolutely. Second only to them. Right. 
And so you cannot dispute the market size and the impact on television deals and sponsorships. Those are, it's an important part when we're calculating revenue. Uh, and of course, the books aren't open, so you don't know. So it, I understand that. But I'm not saying it has to be Juan Soto. I'm just kind of in awe of how it's like, oh, well, you know, they'll just do what they do, and but it'll be fine. We'll cheer them on. I'm just like, okay, I guess if that good, great for the Cardinals. What a wonderful situation. Yeah. The bar is low. The Blues have to go out and get a guy when they're already at the moment over the salary cap who anybody in the league would love to have. He is an incredibly unique talent. And if they don't get him, people will be pissed off. What a strange dynamic. If anything, it kind of should be the other way around. But here in 2022, this is the way it is. Why is that? Your thoughts, 65780. Or leave a mic drop presented by Rhino Shield. We'll discuss that next. This is Balloon Party 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. This is 101 ESPN. My name is Tim McKernan. You are welcome to get involved on the show. Air Comfort Service text line 65780, or you can leave a mic drop, uh, the Rhino Shield mic drop, using the 101 ESPN app. Uh, Jim Rutherford was on with uh, Randy Carricker and Michelle Smallman, and we will have a couple of clips from that if you were not able to catch it this morning on what the Blues would need to do if Tarasenko would consider dropping his uh, no-trade and accepting a deal to Calgary. Uh, and also... Uh, the current state of things with Kachuk and the Flames and how the Blues could be a part of that. The discussion we opened up our show with today is why there is an expectation. And there is, again, it's 60% and it's my Twitter followers and probably half of the people following me are, you know, just absolute deviants. And I understand that, you know, your deviants follow deviants. But uh, that, the, that the Blues will trade for Matthew Kachuk and uh, that the Cardinals will not. But uh, with regard, of course not, Matthew Kachuk, it just wouldn't make sense. But I'm talking about Juan Soto. But the, while 60% of people expect the Blues to trade for Matthew Kachuk, expect the Blues to trade for Matthew Kachuk, uh, 60% of people do not expect the Cardinals to be aggressive at the trade deadline. And again, this is a team that's a half game out of first place and right there in the wild card mix now that baseball has expanded the postseason to include three wild cards. And I asked the question of uh, you, the listener, uh, as to why you think that is. And let me just start reading because we're getting a uh, million. Uh, let's see. Uh, it's simple to explain. Fans realize the Cardinals' goal is to just make the postseason because they know fans will keep showing up no matter what happens. That's from the 618. The Blues actually want to compete for cups. Army is aggressive. Mo is just complacent. That is also from the 618. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, the bar is low for the Cardinals because of their history of not being aggressive with free agents or trades, and I feel like the fans have just grown accustomed to it. They're not going to do the sexy trades or acquisitions that put them as a front runner close to one for the playoffs. They'd rather put a team together that hopefully makes the playoffs and hopefully gets hot in the playoffs. Their division being terrible is enabling this behavior as well. That's from the 314. I would imagine that this person texting it in would agree that during the offseason, the Cardinals have made aggressive moves via trades. And also, even though they haven't really worked out, free agency. Mm-hmm. Um not necessarily A-list players, although we can't revise history and ignore the fact that Dexter Fowler, as weird as it might be, was one of the premier free agents when the Cardinals signed him in December of 2016. The issue that I have is specific to the trade deadline, 
And I use the comparison, and I've used it ad nauseum, of when the Blues were approaching the trade deadline this year. And the Blues were in a different situation than the Cardinals. And yet you knew the Blues would be aggressive. And I know I, you know, some people were ripping me about, you know, taking the knee and bowing to the avalanche. But the Colorado Avalanche of 2022, and this isn't results-oriented, we were saying it before the playoffs, that's a machine. Yeah. There is no machine in the Cardinals division. There are some really non-functioning ones, but as far as competing for the division title, there isn't one. And so the Blues, some were wondering if the Blues would even do anything internally just because it's kind of like, well, I don't know. Even if they do, it's probably not going to get them equal to the avalanche. And yet, of course, they still did. And they liked him so much, they just signed him to a four-year extension in Nick Letty. Here the Cardinals are. Not going up against a machine, the expectation is that they won't do anything. And that's what I'm talking about, the trade deadline. And it has just been so blasé since 2009, or really almost kind of insulting uh, with regards to the lack of activity. Uh, Let's see what we got. Uh, There are two things in play here. Uh, Matthew is a local kid, and second is that listeners of the station have heard from randy for the last i guess we're talking about randy character for the last six months that matthew will be a blue sure he is being facetious but after hearing it for six months it gets into people's heads that's from the 314 yeah i I can't speak for what randy character said outside of the fact that i think the world of him and uh, enjoy our conversations every day but i'm on at the same time not to brag on hd2 Mm. and so i don't get a chance to hear what uh, randy has said um but when it comes to the people who are voting on my Twitter poll. I don't think that that's necessarily a byproduct, especially considering most of those people are probably TMA listeners for expecting that the Blues will get Matthew Kachuk and then 60% of people not expecting the Cardinals to be aggressive. Forget Juan Soto, just not expecting anything to happen at all. Uh, The Cardinals have been so bad at free agent signings that they have become gun shy. That's from the 618. See, I used to be the, the dissenting point of view. Um, not tied to the organization in any way where I would say, I don't get where people are saying that the Cardinals aren't trying to win. They are. They've just made some bad moves. This year is a different set of circumstances. If you don't do anything when you have clear needs and a clear opportunity to, at the very least, get into the playoffs, but with a move, have a shot, uh, this would be inexcusable. And again, I want to keep emphasizing this. The trade deadline is not in the rearview mirror. It's still in front of us. What, What I am observing is that fans in the area have a totally different set of circumstances for expectations for the two franchises. And what I am observing and what people are answering really uh, over and over again is why that is. And the answer as to why that is, is the past of uh, the, the proof of past performance. Think about the last however many trade deadlines. The Cardinals haven't done much. Think of the last few Blues trade deadlines. The Blues have done plenty. And so from that standpoint, you have expectations based on that and can't blame people for that. Uh, the thing is, when the Cardinals had a real contender in the division, the Cubs, they went years without making the playoffs. Nothing will push them. They are stubborn and refuse to make deals that leave them anything but the smartest robber in the room from the second they make the deal. That's uh, in reference to Arenado and the Goldschmidt deal. Uh, we have a mic drop, uh, Jackson. And yeah. what, what is this one? This uh, one? Steve. This is Steve. He's becoming a, a friend of the feather here. Uh, let's see. what is this on the Cardinals or is this on the Blues? Uh, Cardinals, I believe. Okay. Time to regroup. Take a few days off. All-star break. Stop it! I've been looking down at the field all week, and you guys aren't doing squat. 
It's an all-star break. The all-stars go to the all-star game, then they take a break. If you're not an all-star, you should be striving to be such. (laughs) Get your ass over to the stadium and start working out. Tired of it. Strong. So if you're not an all-star, you should be striving to be such. I, I Truer words that haven't might, been spoken. That might be my play like a champion today above my <laughs> I just entryway. slap it on the way in. Yeah, yeah it's going to have to be about three feet so I can reach it. But, yes, that might put that over the doorway. Yeah, seriously. I mean, if you, what are you doing if you're not getting working? If you are not an all-star, you should strive to be such. And Absolutely. he is tired of it. Sounds like he is angry. He, sound, he starts off with a very calm demeanor and then something about – that uh, 101 ESPN app when he's leaving a mic drop, it sounds like he loses control. He does. And that's, you know, who can blame him? Jeremy Rutherford was on with uh, Randy Carricker and Michelle Smallman uh, this morning, and here's what he had to say regarding the Blues, Chuck, and uh, the possibility of Tarasenko accepting a deal to Calgary. I think it's a situation where, you know, a year ago, I was told that Vladimir Tarasenko would take a trade anywhere. And I said, because we were talking to Chuck at the time, Calgary, and I was told he would take a trade to go anywhere. Has that changed in the last 12 months? It could have. Vladimir's uh, camp you know, has been uh, pretty silent throughout the past couple months. I think it's a situation where they don't want to interfere with anything in terms of a trade being made. I still believe that he would like to be traded. I still believe there's a good chance he could be traded. Would he go to the Calgary Flames? I just don't know. A team without Johnny Gaudreau and obviously Matthew Kachuk wouldn't be on that team either. You know, if he were to go to Calgary and not have a great season and then go into unrestricted free agency, you know, how would that work out for him? I don't know that that's the best option for him. If I had to guess, I would say that he would not go to the Calgary Flames. You know, there's so many different ways this could go. It could be a three-team trade where Tarasenko goes somewhere else, Kachuk goes here, and you know, Calgary gets uh, assets and players from the Blues. So, so we'll see. But my answer would be I would think that he would not do that after such a great season heading into unrestricted free agency next year. Uh, I couldn't agree more with what he said right there. Yeah. I, and for the exact reasons he listed, uh, as I was listening to it, I'm like, yeah, if he has a bad year on a bad team and he's an unrestricted free agent, he's going to make bad money, albeit relative bad money. And therefore, I don't know why he would do it. From my standpoint, if this is going to happen, this is going to be a three-team trade for the reasons Jeremy Rutherford just cited. And you can read more on it. I read his column this morning on The Athletic. He's been all over this uh, and uh, in detailing it. I listened to him yesterday on with uh, Jamie Rivers and uh, Anthony Stalter on the fast lane uh, as uh, Brad Thompson is is out this week. And that was a great conversation on on kind of the the state of play with regards to uh, Matthew Kachuk. Here is, uh, what is this one on uh, Jackson from JR with uh, Randy Carricker? This is about kind of the money around Kachuk, the money situation. I think it's a situation where Matthew's given the Flames the list of teams that he would uh, sign a long-term extension with. And that list is believed to be about four or five teams. Now, I do want to provide some context you know, from the report yesterday. The list of teams that we mentioned yesterday were just teams that we believe Matthew has had interest in at one time. Is that the exact list that he handed the Calgary Flames? No. I believe that there are a couple teams on there that probably aren't on the list that he gave to the Flames. But So it's a situation where you have this uh, short list of teams, and now the Flames work with those teams and through the agent and try to find the deal. So the Blues are one of them. So I, I think that what would it take? I think, first of all, you got to keep in mind that you have to move a lot of salary cap. If you're going to fit that $9 million in, you have to have $9 million going out. It's a dollar-for-dollar dollar situation. But no doubt the Flames that have interest in guys 
uh, like Jordan Cairo, probably even the prospects, neighbors, Bull Duke, but it's going to take a lot more salary than that. Yeah, the issue is is more the money, I think. I, and that, I think, is probably what's going on as far as the juggling behind the scenes. Here's where I am on it, and maybe I'm off the mark. I don't have a doubt the Blues want Matthew Kachuk, and I don't have a doubt Matthew Kachuk wants to be here. But there are circumstances outside of the, the party's control that, that make this uh, needing to bring another party into it because I don't think that the Calgary Flames are the solution when it comes to taking on money if they know they're not going to have a real competitive team this year. That would really, you got a pissed off fan base there. I saw Gaudreau uh, wrote a letter on the Players' Tribune. I don't know why guys do this. I mean, I appreciate that they do it, and I guess what I read are then the people who are just pissed off at the world and crap on the statement. But the guy, but he tried to explain the reasoning behind leaving to the fans because he knew the Calgary fans were super pissed off at him, and then he got lit up even more for it. Um, but I'm sure some of the people appreciated it. But my point being. Calgary fans are not in a good place right now. And if all of a sudden, you know, you don't have a team that's going to win. There was one trade deadline in Major League Baseball where the Pittsburgh Pirates acquired Matt Morris. And I remember thinking to myself, what in the hell is that? Like the Giants were just able to unload Matt Morris, who was at the tail end of his career, former Cardinal pitcher. And the Pirates took it on. And I go, you know, I get that they haven't had a great run of decades here. But what are you doing? <laughs> like this guy, and I think he, like Morris, like pitched twice for him. He's like, okay, that'll do it. I'm going to go hang out in Montana and play FIFA. Right. Uh, you know, I, you just you can't do that if you're Calgary. So another team has to come into play for Tarasenko. I think that's the only way it happens. Or if it's going to happen, it's going to happen after this season. Um, but then you sit there and go, well, if Chuck gets traded, he's going to sign. Sure. But he doesn't have to. But then he ain't going to get approve a trade if he didn't go into yeah, a place where he wants exactly. to go. So you got all these little factors involved in what is a huge moment for this organization. I mean, it may be, as they say, this is the slowest time of year in sports, and it can be. But from my standpoint, for both of the local active professional organizations at the moment, these are two substantial sets of dates here. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about whatever date it will be when Matthew has his decision and the Blues and Flames have their decision and the Cardinals and the trade deadline on August 2nd. These are incredibly important from a big picture standpoint from both these organizations. Uh, coming up on the other side of the break, we will continue this discussion. And also, uh, last night, a, a really odd thing, and I think Jackson and I might disagree on this one, uh, and it involves the ESPYs. Mm. I actually have a take. Wow, I like it. Nice that take. I'm a little irritated by. It, t- it takes a lot for me to get a little irritated oh, by I something know. in the sports world. Although this is kind of more sports media than it is, and that I that I am susceptible to. I'm, I, I don't know if I'm proud of it or not. It's just how I react to, to some things because I just can see it for what it is, which is you know garbage games. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Maybe Jackson's going to disagree because I guess I'm going to be going against the association in part here, and this might get you. This might get you going. I might get my dander up. Yeah, I might get your dander up. It's next year on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back, Tim McCurdy with you. Another 20 minutes and BK and Ferrario come in. Uh, now you've been briefed on what James Harden is going to do. Uh, Jackson, did you watch the ESPYs last night? Just clips. I didn't watch the whole thing. Dick Vitale. Uh, oh, fantastic. I saw that. His speech. That was awesome. See, I liked it. Now, he went, he went on 
for a while. Sure. But it was all from the heart. Here's the other thing about it. He he received the uh, the, the uh, Jim Valvano Award. Yep. Uh, Vladimir Klitschko, who is the mayor of Kiev, uh, which obviously he didn't need to do, considering he did quite well for himself boxing, uh, won the Arthur Ashe Courage Award. Um, but Dick Vitale, that might have been the last time Dick Vitale was ever talking, know. you know? know. It's awful. Um, and so that was... I, I've had uh, I've had him on. I don't know which show I had him on, but I, he's really I think he's just a good-hearted, likable man. Super genuine. I, I that's my read on it. Man. Super super. He you just know. he loves basketball. He loves sports. I mean, he's like when he was in better shape, he was at every single Tampa Bay Rays game. At the trop. He's just, know. he's just real. Yeah. One of the things he said, like how Cooper Cup ripped out his heart when the Rams went in there and beat the Buccaneers. He's just a huge fan. I just think he's a good guy. But yeah. here's the thing here's where we might disagree on. Do you know who won Comeback Player of the Year? Yes. Clay Thompson. Okay. You, you can tell. Like, look at the anticipation, man. I, I just want to hear you, what you, the you take is. You don't play poker against me because I'd be, I'd be doing some soul owning right now. I just want to hear the take. He beat Trey Mancini. You know who Trey Mancini is, and it's fine if you don't. I'm no, not going to make plays, fun of you. Uh, he's the cat or outfielder for the Orioles. He's with the Orioles, I believe. He's uh, first, first baseman, baseman yeah, I think. Plays behind Matt Castle. Uh, and you only know that because he's on your fantasy team. Both don't you? of them are actually. Yeah, I've been, obviously you don't even know when he's on your your, your fantasy team. By the way, that should be a whole segment. But I don't know how well it would play if we talked about your fantasy place. team. But I really am not. I don't believe in your fantasy team. But I digress. That's not what I'm talking about. The man missed an entire year and beat stage three colon cancer, which the entire ESPN broadcast was about, was about raising money. The Uh Jim Valvano Foundation, Dick Vitale talks about raising money to fight cancer for 30 minutes, you know, like 10 minutes in, they started telling him to wrap up and he went another 20 minutes. A guy beats stage three colon cancer, comes back is having a good year, as you would know, because he's on your ham and egg fantasy team. Second place. Uh, and and he sits there and watch Clay Thompson coming off, don't get me wrong, a serious knee injury, but nonetheless, yeah. win comeback player of the year. Now, I recognize there is not a science to the ESPYs, and to get worked up over this would be like getting worked up over Ariana Grande not winning, you know, Song of the Year at the Billboard Awards. Right. You know, like I'm Kanye taking the award from, you know, Taylor, Taylor Swift, Swift yeah. real quick and said, hold on, I'm going to let you talk. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm observing, I'm going, hey, are we not having any moment of self-awareness here that this man, stage three colon cancer, yeah. stage three colon cancer, misses all of a season and then comes back and is playing, you know, granted he's playing for the Orioles, although the Orioles and Mariners have gotten hot. <laughs> Red hot. And he's having a good year. And I know he hit win the NBA championship. And I realized that, you know, if you were talking Q rating nationally, uh, Clay Thompson is got, what, 10 to 20 times higher than yeah. Trey Mancini. No doubt. But the whole broadcast was about raising money for cancer. And here's a guy sitting there. He's in the audience. Usually I feel like they kind of let people know who's going to win. Yeah. For example, Shohei Otani won the Male Athlete of the Year and was able to record an acceptance speech in advance. Sure. Uh, that I thought to myself, what what are we doing here? I mean, listen, I tip my cap to Clay Thompson and coming back and doing what he did. Uh-huh. But a guy beat sto- stage three colon cancer and came back and is having a hell of a year. 
am I off the mark on this? Because I know I'm talking to you, and I'm not critical of your National Basketball Association so much as I am critical of an award show that is, you know, talking about ham and egg like your fantasy team. It's a ham and egg award show at the same time what award show isn't ham and egg. Right, and it's very convenient. It's on the Wednesday after the All-Star game. You know, it's that's not an accident. But what I'll say, that, like, yeah, I think Trey Mancini is an inspiring story. and It's awesome to see what he's doing. And if we're, like, actually calling a spade a spade, he's absolutely the comeback player of the year. But like you said, Clay Thompson's Q rating is huge. His team won the NBA championship. He hadn't played in, like, basically two years. Like, since he went down against the Raptors, he had pretty much not played. And, uh, and also, it's to know that ESPN carries the finals. You know, that's a, that's a big part of it that then his team won the finals. So then and, you're acknowledging that it's... Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. But, all right. but uh, that's par for the course when it comes to an award show, most award shows, honestly, but this award show in particular, that they're going to highlight those that, that produce revenue for them, you know, in a sense. And it's not to say that they're bad people. It's just how it's their award show. They can do what they want. But yeah, to say Trey Mancini, who beats stage three colon cancer isn't the comeback player of the year would be essentially like well and and, and even if he were a, a below average player and right he's not but even if he weren't and you line up cancer versus coming back from a you know an yeah. injury and don't get me wrong it was a serious injury who's going to in a vacuum say otherwise my premise that i'm including into the context on this discussion which on a scale of one to ten on anger i'm at a two mm. uh but at least it's something that you know right. usually a, a half or so, <laughs> or so so yeah that that i'm going your whole entire show was about raising money for cancer yeah and here is a guy who just beat Stage three, colon cancer, mm-hmm. and is coming back and having a damn good year for a team that I realize has been dreadful since 2014, but has gotten hot. And I recognize they're the Orioles, and it's Baltimore, and you're up against one of the Splash Brothers for the NBA champions, and Steph Curry's the MC on the night, and the whole thing. And I get all of that. It just struck me as a very odd, odd lack of self-awareness. Absolutely, yeah. I don't think that you're misguided. I think everything you said there is accurate and, and on point, but, you know, it's just it's the ESPYs. You know? All right. I, mean, I, I didn't know. know if you were going to get uh, banty no, because I, I, it's not against the NBA. It has nothing to do with the NBA. No. It has to do with the whole show was about, I mean, for real, Dick Vitale. And I thought it was wonderful. I know that for some people they're like, oh, my God, it's getting awkward because he's up there. And initially Chris Berman, John Hamm, and the president of ESPN were standing next to him. And then halfway through the speech they had just bolted uh, that it might have been awkward for how long he's going on. And I thought to myself, here is a guy whose voice is synonymous with a sport, in my opinion, is as genuine as it comes, yeah. is a good man, yep. and this might be his farewell. Yeah. Give him, you know, oh, all the yeah. time in the world. Absolutely. And I thought in the end it was a it was a beautiful speech. I actually watched the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was I remember last year, uh, like in beginning of the season he got he got to the clearance to travel to vegas and call i believe gonzaga versus duke and just the tears flo- like right before right when the broadcast started he just couldn't help himself for crying like crazy and oh just, yeah, yeah. I, I actually saw that yeah and it just it's so because you know that's what he really like loves like he loves being involved with the sports talking to athletes doing what he does on television you know that's that's where he feels most comfortable and for someone who probably went a long time without feeling comfortable at all you know, being in such a 
tough position like that to be back there and do that is incredible. So I I agree. Give him as much time as you want because guys like him are, are few and far between. Uh, your thoughts are welcome, 65780, or you can leave a mic drop, Rhino Shield mic drop, using the 101 ESPN app. I am Tim McKernan. That is Action Jackson. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Final segment of Bloom Party. Tim McKernan with you to the top of the hour. That's BK and Ferrario. Action Jackson's on the ones and twos. He's monitoring James Harden, and he did give you a wonderful update at the bottom of the hour. How about this, Jackson? Yeah. Uh, ESPN uh, with their uh, second half preview uh, on uh, can anyone catch the Yankees? Second half preview rankings and playoff odds for all 30 MLB teams. This is... uh, Written here by a variety of the ESPN baseball writers. Tier one, the Yankees, and that's it. Yankees are 64 and 28. I don't think too many people would argue with that. They're expected to win around 109 games this year. Uh, the only question really is can they break the Mariners' uh, record and 116? Uh, and then Aaron Judge and Willie hit 60 home runs. At the top five biggest threats to the Yankees, I'm going to give you 10 seconds to try and name them. You are on the clock. Top three? Five. Uh, Go. Mets, Braves, Dodgers. Over. And also embarrassing sounds were made. I mean, startling sounds were made. You honestly caught me a little off guard there. That was the goal. <laughs> Mets. But why the, ha, ha, ha. I was vocalizing, ah. vocalizing the stress I felt. I thought I did a pretty good job of it. I got three of the five, right? You did have the, uh, you, the here, the, the, I don't remember. I was so taken aback by the noises. <laughs> Astros, Dodgers, Mets, Braves, and this one's probably a surprise to some people, the Padres. Yeah, I was going to, so I, I got Dodgers, Mets, and Braves. Those stand out. The Astros, yeah. Padres, I don't mm. Then they have the Tier 3, other playoff contenders. The Brewers are listed, the Red Sox are listed, the Blue Jays are listed, the Twins are listed, and... Redbirds? That's right. All right. And here is what they write. Given the lack of quality in the National League Central and the historical context of Yadier Molina and Albert Poole's final seasons, there is no excuse for this year's Redbirds to do anything but go all in at the deadline. It seems kind of obvious, but that's not the way the overly insular Cardinals tend to operate. Time to flip that narrative. Uh, and then also, what? You know, who can fix the back end of the rotation? Steven Matz was slotted to come off the I.L. and start the Cardinals' last game before the break. Unfortunately, that game was rained out, and he'll now have to wait to make his uh, first appearance since May 22nd. The Cardinals need Matz to prop up the back end of a rotation that's been top-heavy because while they could certainly use a top-level start of their trade strategies, probably need to be pointed at upgrading the bullpen. So there is the uh, yeah. ESPN report on the Cardinals. In a sense, though, getting another starter could really improve the bullpen. You can move Polante to That is correct. The I would bullpen. agree with you on that. So I don't think the offense can be ignored. And no. I, I want to make this clear because people go on the Soto thing. It's not an either-or. Now, listen, we're all, I think, together on this, that there is not an expectation. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that there shouldn't be, but that there is not an expectation that they're going to get Juan Soto. But... You don't have to pick and choose. Oh well, if we're not going to get uh, you know a pitcher, then you can't get Juan Soto. It's it's not an either or. You can get both. Right. With regards to the Cardinals and uh, the starting rotation, I agree with your comment that uh, you have, you can help the bullpen by getting a starter. I would be listen. I'm, I I just from from this standpoint, I think this team is a team that can actually do damage, but I think the offense gets ignored because the runs, when you look at the Cardinals' offense and you start ranking it, look at how many runs they score against the Pirates, the Reds, and the Cubs, 
And then look at how many runs they score against the teams above 500. And it is a startling disparity. And barring a barring a real big surprise, you will not be seeing the Pirates, the Reds, and the Cubs in mid-October. You will get a chance to see the Pirates for like seven of the last ten games, by the way. Oh, what a really? wonderful to little close treat it out? to close her on out. Love it. Yeah. Love it. And that goes into October because of the season starting later. Yeah. So right. if the Cardinals are like two games back of the Brewers of the week left, don't give up hope. <laughs> the old black and yellow is waiting for you. Absolutely. And the boys are more than happy to start playing golf in October as soon say, as possible. Yeah, they are going to be ready to shut her all down. So, uh, yeah, I mean, 70% of their games remaining against teams with losing records, the Cardinals should be in the playoffs the question is what can the cardinals do once they get to the playoffs that's how the organization should be judged in 2022 all right time for us to shut it down bk and ferrario are up next for action jackson i'm tim mckernan this has been balloon party on 101 espn you've been listening to the balloon party on the tim mckernan podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn